Today's discussion contains strong and sensitive content. While healing and restoration is always the main focus, the following stories may be too strong for some listeners. Children 13 and older are encouraged to listen with parental guidance. Listener discretion is advised. Good day, everyone. This is Engaging Life's Moments Presents. Prostitution is sex trafficking. This is your host, Eric L. Martin, and today's episode, it's probably going to cause a bit of hurt, pain, anger for some. But my hope is that when you hear what this episode is truly about. When you hear this amazing story of redemption and forgiveness, that you don't dismiss the trueness of what I want to convey today. Because prostitution is sex trafficking. I I want that to be something that you hear all the time that it's in your vocabulary that it's in your repertoire so when you hear it you know and i'm going to say it again that prostitution is sex trafficking now when you hear today's story when you hear more about what's happening you'll get a, a deeper understanding that when i say that word prostitution is sex trafficking that we get tragic stories like this that eventually lead to victory. I remember one time, the first time he did something to me is when he choked me and I passed out. Because he said I thought he was a joke. What else did he do to him? He talked real bad to me. He jacked me up. He pulled me by my hair and dragged me and stuff. He put guns up to me. He got me a strap and stuff like that. Getting that out of the people. Did you ever have sex with the guys? When I cut, but a gun up to me, I did. Did he, did, did he have sex with you, too? Yeah, he had sex with me. Sometimes I don't want to have sex with him. He's still so how, how come you stayed with him? You're not listening. I'm making him money. He wasn't going to let me go nowhere. He's told me to kill me. He knows where my mom lives. And I know a dude choked me until I almost passed out. He's not afraid to kill me. Well. I have prayed for a very long time. Human trafficking victim Santoya Brown will be released on parole on August 7th after spending 15 years in prison. Outgoing Republican Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam said in a statement on Monday he granted clemency to Brown after, quote, careful consideration of what is a tragic and complex case. Centoya Brown was 16 when she was convicted of murder for killing a man who paid to have sex with her as a child. Haslam said her sentencing of at least 51 years before being eligible for parole was too harsh given the steps she's taken to rebuild her life. 
Democrats and activists had pressed Haslam to offer her clemency before he leaves office in January. Brown said she feared for her life and shot Johnny Mitchell Allen, who paid her for sex because she thought he was reaching for a gun. I want you to hear that name again, Centoya Brown. I think when we hear that, when you hear the story about a 16-year-old who was actually caught up in prostitution, that should a lot of fire upon us. But it happens more often than you think it does. I want to thank Washington Post and Reuters for that. Actor and activist Alisa Milano said this in a Washington Post article. She said, I challenge you to put yourself in Brown's place. You're a homeless teenager living with an abusive man who rapes you and forces you to have sex for money. A middle-aged man buys you for $150 and rapes you again. You see, that story happens more often than you think it does. It happens a lot. It happens every single day to thousands, if not millions of women around the world every single day. But I think the most tragic number, especially doing research for this, is according to the foundation, Skelly's, there's over 40 to 42 million prostitutes around the world. And out of 80% of the prostitutes around the world, the age that prostitution happens is between the ages of 13 and 25. 13 and 25 years old, young girls and young women are forced into prostitution. That should be a number that we should never hear. Unfortunately, prostitution is very rampant around the world. Even in the U.S., it's over a million prostitutes. And I can't even tell you how many of that number is actually underage girls. But the story today that you're going to hear is that of someone who actually experienced that as a young girl who was forced into prostitution as a sex slave. Now, her story, again is unique to her, but so many other young girls experience this every single day. And I hope that when you hear this story, that you know this does happen, but healing, redemption, and restoration can happen. can tell people your first and last name and what you do. My name is Cynthia Borslino, and you going to know what I do here is uh, I'm, I do accounting work, but it's in commercial property real estate management. And I also um, do, I work with Traffic 911. I'm the Williamson County Coordinator at the Juvenile Detention Center, so I do um, traps presentations to um, the children that are in the Juvenile Detention Center, boys and girls and then talk to them about you know ways that they get, can get trapped into trafficking, sex trafficking. 
And then um, I also train, I'm also a trainer, so I train um, police officers and first responders, um, and EMS and all that, uh, counselors, therapists, all that, and uh, yeah, just being a first responder for, for um, people that you meet and you're working with, uh, you know, what is human trafficking and what it looks like and also the way, um, on my perspective as a survivor, because I am a survivor as well, from human trafficking, so I share in that perspective as well. Cynthia is a real-life superhero. She has a normal job by day and fights crime at night. When I was first introduced to Cynthia, it was part of a Q&A event at a local church in Austin, Texas called Gateway. And alongside Tony McKinley, another survivor and author, she had answered a question that was posed by someone in the audience. How do you spot someone who has been trafficked? Um, I worked with a girl, too, who um, was doing well in school, but she was doing drugs, and her parents would say she was promiscuous. And for three years, she was being trafficked. And she was in and out of hospital because she was suicidal. So I would say that could be it, too. Um, and no one questioned her or asked her or anything for three years. And when I met her, she during art therapy, and um, you know, that's something that I would say it, it just there's so, such a gamut of things. But if, if you notice a change in behavior where they were happy one moment, and if you, you know, what we do a presentation where we show um, from the beginning when they're first being trapped into it, and then what the, the progression is in their whole demeanor, you know, with their life, their, their, their face, their hair, everything, you'll see it, just a transformation. What do you do as knowing like where you come from that you've been trafficked before and then you have a bit of an understanding like mentally where they mm-hmm. are um what do you try to do as far as the the mental part of it of making sure that you are staying where they are to help them see mm-hmm. you know that they they are survivors i would say more to give them a voice let them share their story let them share what's going on and where you're intentionally there for them listening caring uh, loving them through that in a way that they've never been able to use their voice before. Um, they're making stuff up, whatever. It's like, you know, that's still their story, part of their story. You need to hear, um, especially through the mindset of a child, you know. <clears throat> but to go through any kind of atrocity where you've been um, kept as a sex slave or, you know, raped, which I believe it's rape, uh, over and over and over again, and then getting you, and they manipulate in a way to get you to believe that's what you want. Um, so it's talking through those series. I get to share part of my story, what it was like for me, and then um, say, well, what was it like for you? You know, or how are you handling that? Or what friends, you know, are you with? And how does it, you know, how does it support what you want for you? And I ask them, do they dream? I, I always ask, do you dream? What do you dream about? Or, I don't dream anymore. What, when you used to dream, what did you dream about? <laughs> you know, and if you could do anything, what would it be? You know, and stuff like that. So um, just start to find a common ground with them is, is even very, that's so important. You can find that one little common ground and then go from there. So it's powerful. But where they can just let them talk, let them get it off. And they, the more they talk, the more they open up. And then they're saying, they're like, just, Wow, I can't believe I just shared that, you know. I think Cynthia made a great point. Is that asking these survivors about dreaming is very important because sometimes 
when you are in an, an environment that you don't dream and you can't dream, you're scared to dream. It's really difficult to even think about doing anything because you are so caught, you are captured, you don't own yourself, you don't own your mind. I think it's important that we stop and think about that these girls and even boys who are caught up in this don't have that opportunity. I think back on episode five, Dream Start From In Here part one, where my friend Lorena Watson, who is a licensed counselor, said this. You need to have a space where you feel safe, relationally, physically, emotionally. Because until that need is met, everything else is fluff. You can't have dreams. You can't have ambition. And I love how Cynthia puts dreaming as part of the healing process. Dreaming, it's such a beautiful thing. And when you can inspire someone who has been locked up mentally, physically, emotionally, and when you can unlock that key, then anything that they want to do, anything that they have the opportunity to do, can be endless. So when you do talk to them about Mm -hmm. what you've been through, do you... Do you find a hard time like reliving that moment or do you feel that reliving that moment helps you kind of interpret what they are going through? Yeah, I would say it, I it does not. I've been through so much healing and have really walked through a lot of my trauma and uh, been able to process through all of that. So I have an understanding. I could say I'm pretty stable today and um, very confident in who I am as a human being. And so I... I love, I sing, I'm a singer songwriter too. So I wrote songs even when I was in the life. So Mm. I will share those songs with them, maybe as an icebreaker. And that usually just melts them. Like they're like, wow, that's, I mean, I have something like, wow, that is really good, you know? And, um, and not that I need that. It's just like, it's because the words are so powerful for them because they know. And that's when they start opening up to me is because, wow, you do know Mm. some things that I'm going through. And that happened to me, you know, so it's powerful. Yeah. Cynthia's story is quite fascinating. I mean, yes, you've heard that she's worked with local juvenile facilities. She actually works with Traffic 911, which is a, another nonprofit organization. And she works with Hope Rising. And she also trains local law enforcement, EMS. But when you hear her story of what makes her work, so credible, it would knock you off your feet. Can you tell me a little bit of your story? I mean, I I know your story because I've heard a little bit about it. Yeah. But can you tell? Give me a little bit of like how you got to that point of where you were trafficked before, and how did you know you were even in that trafficked environment? Um, I I never thought of it being trafficked, by the way, um, until maybe six, seven years. I don't even know how long it's been, but not that long ago. Just when the word, you know, I always, my, part of my story, part of my testimony, I call it my story, is that um, I was a prostitute, you know, and um, 
and then my daughter's the one who came to me and said, Mom, you were you were a kid, you were a teenager. You know, mm. I was a kid. I wasn't, you know. So that got me thinking, and it's like, hmm. But um, I would say a lot had to do with because of um, the family life that we had, the environment. There was a lot of um, not building up, but a lot of tearing down, and um, things I have to be careful about because it's in the film, and so like there's a documentary and all that stuff kind of walks through that but um so I was a very vulnerable and very naive and also because of the things that were going on in our home um you know there was some sexual abuse there and so that kind of opened up that door in a way that I kind of looked at myself as being tainted and I believed that I was created for men's pleasure mm-hmm. and I had no choice in the matter that was my belief, even as a, you know, nine-year-old girl thinking that that's what I was going to be going into. So, and then when I got into 12, um, going to parties and doing things like that, um, and then when I was 15, really introducing into the life and 16, full-blown in it. So, um, that's kind of, was a gradual thing, but being groomed, I was groomed, you know, they talk about grooming. Uh, I was introduced to a lot of people who had a lot of drugs drug scene for sure and um, uh, wealth and partying and dressing up and I was able to go in the, when I was 15 I got to go into bars wow. and then they drinking age was 21 and I would be with older men and I thought wow I thought I was pretty cool as a mindset of a 15 year old that's mm-hmm. you know I didn't think that anyone was going to harm me to the degree that I was going to be harmed you mm-hmm. know so that wasn't in my you know you're a child you're still a child and you think like a child, and you act like a child, and mm-hmm. even though you dress up like an adult, you're still not an adult. Right, right. You know, and that's something that it just, as I look back, I went, wow, grown people taking advantage of that, you know, and using that and controlling me and manipulating me into believing that's what I wanted, but yeah. So when your daughter mm-hmm. brought that to you of realizing, mom, you were a teenager, this mm-hmm. is, like, what did that, did something click into your, your brain? And then once you realized that, like, did that kind of help put you on the trajectory mm-hmm. of that you're on right now? I, I would say um, I had already been through some, a lot of healing and stuff and uh, had received um, just a lot of um, understanding of choices and free will and all that. And I, um, but what it did for me, I felt validated as a human being Mm. that I really wasn't born that way I wasn't created for that which is what I believed and I I also had the mindset of once tainted always tainted type of thing but um, you are not which you know you are not what has been done to you which has been done to you so it's like I um, started shifting out of the the realization of and fighting for other I mean to me it helped me to fight want to fight for other children to say they're not, even though they say it, you know, like, and I used to have 15, I chose this, that's what I want, I made that choice, and I hear kids say it today, and I said, really, it didn't, you kind of were manipulated into it, mm-hmm. your brain is, you know, your reasoning part of your brain's not developed till you're almost 25, right, mm-hmm. so they can't even reason it, so to, to experience something like that, we weren't, we were not created to experience that kind of life young and it's just children you know I don't believe any adult either but to that degree because having sex with you know 15 20 men a day mm-hmm. even five a day I mean that's just and then times that by you know 
to seven days a week, and then times that by 30, 31 days, you know, in the month, and then times that by 365 times a day, a year. Wow. For a child to go through that, that just, what the heck is wrong, <laughs> you know, with that picture? <laughs> it's not, it's just not right, and it's, it's just sad. So it kind of gave me that, yeah, I was, you know, trafficked is like totally manipulated into that belief. So obviously you're an advocate now, and mm -hmm. when you hear these stories from these young girls or young kids that you're talking to, is there some type of like, um, do you experience maybe a little bit of anger when you hear that? Not that you're like thinking back, but. Oh yeah, I would love to, you know, I don't carry a gun. It's probably a good thing. <laughs> Not because I'd want to go hurt some perpetrators, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I get very angry, but I believe it's a righteous anger. Mm -hmm. And I believe I have a right to that anger. And, I, and if people don't get angry, something's wrong with them. And um, we need to get angry. We need to say enough is enough. And, um, and the perpetrators and the predators out there need to know that, you know, um, their days are limited. Because there's an army rising up against them. Mm -hmm. I believe there's a huge army. And they can try to take out one or two of us, man, but there's a huge army rising up. And I believe that. I believe this new generation that's coming forward is not going to stand for it either. I, I just, you know, we are all created in the image of God. We are all created equally. And it's like we all deserve to be here. And we all have value. And we are not a commodity for any anyone. For anyone. And it's going to stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I hope I live to see that day. But I don't know if I will. But I didn't think I would live to see the day when people talked about it out in the open and how now there's a stand. And I, I feel, I feel so um, just elated in the fact that I get to be alive to see that happening and be a part of it. Mm. So, Well, obviously your story is being now turned into a film. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about the fact that your story is now going to be mortalized within the film? Yeah, I, I would say um, this was difficult. Mm -hmm. um, moments that it, it really it broke me a lot, a lot. Like even more of, um, if I had not gone through the healing I've been through, I probably could not have done it, and absolutely not. But um, because of what I've walked through and the, and the friends and family, my husband's great support, my children, <clears throat> without them I couldn't, I wouldn't be, be able to do it. And, um, but, um, I believe it's not just about me. It's about a whole generation. It's about um, not just my generation, but other generations. It's about um, changing a culture and belief systems that have brought so much destruction to so many human beings, you know, especially children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. so, with your daughter obviously producing, and I don't mm -hmm. know if you have any other kids, but. Um, with, son, yeah. Okay. So, with them hearing your story mm -hmm. even before turning into a film, how did they respond to knowing what you went through as they were growing up? Um, that's something you'd have to ask them. Okay. Because their response, um, I believe it's brought us closer. I think they understood some of the things. Because when, in their early years with me as a mom, I was a very sick human being. I was in and out of hospitals. I was still suicidal. Um, I, I hadn't shared what all the depth of things that happened to me. So they didn't have, they had an absent mom a lot of times, you know what mm. I mean? So when they were 11 and 12 is when all of it, and I really got healing, and they saw the transformation of my life, um, in which I was able to talk to them more. So, But I would say ask them about their, um, yeah, where they're at with that okay. whole thing. And um, 
But the, then the story of the Honey Child film is more with my daughter and I traveling together, and I'm going and sharing it with her, and then also about abuses too um, that happened in our family and stuff like that. So, okay. Yeah. To my surprise and my elation, her daughter was actually in the same office. So I get twofold. I get to ask, how does it feel knowing what your mother went through as well as taking on the role of producing this incredible documentary that's talking about your mom's story? My name is Leanna Borsalino Swingler and I am producing a documentary called Honey Child. Yes, my mother is Cynthia Borsalino. So obviously, with this film, whose idea was it to, to even produce, create the film, direct the film? Like, whose idea was it? It was my idea for Honey Child. I had been talking to my mom. She was speaking with some other women about her story. She's always been very candid about her past. Uh, however, she neglected certain terms. I think mostly because she wasn't aware that they had anything to do with her. And I had pursued a career in film living in Los Angeles. And I went to film school out there and I was working for a larger uh, production company. And I had gone to a meeting that talked about child sex trafficking. And I had never even heard of the word human trafficking before. I mean, I've heard of trafficking, but more so in terms of drugs. And so I'd never really thought of like humans being trafficked. And I was really compelled at that time to tell a story about trafficking of children. And even at that time, my thoughts were overseas. I wasn't really thinking of domestic cases. And it was something that had piqued my interest, but it kind of fell apart and it just wasn't the right timing. And I went home due to a family tragedy, a death in the family. And like I said, I knew that my mother had been involved in a promiscuous lifestyle, but she had never used certain terminology with me, such as prostitution or um, selling yourself, things to that sort. And since trafficking was still a relatively new term for me and learning about what the terminology actually meant, when the realization came upon me that my mom was actually a child when she started putting two and two together and talking to her and sitting down with her and saying, hey, you were actually trafficked, and then realizing that there might actually be a story here, because she had salvaged a box of mementos from that period in her past. Mm. And so it, her memories were fragmented because it had been so long, but those mementos kind of pieced together parts of that puzzle and stories that were missing. And so I thought to myself, it would be very interesting if we could go back to those locations to kind of jog her memory a little bit more. Maybe if we were in actual settings, more would come to surface. She would have even more memories come back to her. And so I proposed the idea to her and she 
agreed to do it. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. How was that for you? Like, <laughs> uh, going through and walking and kind of hearing your mom, you know, some re- recollection of what was happening, did that put you in a, a vulnerable state of like, okay, this is what my mom went through. What was that like for you? Because you've heard her story before, but now you're walking with her telling the story. I'd say probably the most profound impact that going through her past had for me was it allowed me as her child who had grown up with having some resentment and anger towards my mom it gave me compassion where I didn't really have it before and it gave me more understanding because I wouldn't say that I was like full-blown angry at my mom but we definitely had a severed relationship as a mother and a daughter And a lot of it had to do with me not understanding why she would get triggered the way she would get triggered or why she did certain things with me the way she did or why she didn't protect me in certain circumstances the way that she did or why she tried killing herself so many times. You know, things like that, which as you're growing up and becoming a woman yourself and having someone who's struggling with these certain dark demons of their past, so to speak. Um, Like I said, I knew pieces of the story, but I never had a full understanding. And when I was able to look at that with her and grieve with her over those things, it was almost like I didn't even need, like, there was no need for her to even ask me for forgiveness. It was just Mm. there. Wow. So. I loved how the tables turned. It went from the attitude of resentment towards my mom to working and bringing the film to life and then understanding, wow, I know why my life was hard because your life was hard. It's an incredible story of redemption between a mother and a daughter. Now, the term superhero that I'd given to Cynthia earlier, she honestly would not even contribute that to herself. She would give that title directly to her husband. So you are married. Yes, 37 years today. Really? Today, 37 years. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Um, How has your husband, you know, I guess dealt with that and, and how much of a support system... Have you relied on him in this yeah, ordeal? Yeah, huge. Um, he is an amazing man. Uh, he's been through a lot with me mm. <laughs> when I was ill and stuff. And even when I, because I still had that belief system that I was no good, that I was worthless. I always thought he was better than me, that my kids deserved better. Um, so for the first 11 years of our marriage, it was very difficult. Mm. Um, but he hung in there and he didn't give up on me. And I don't get it because I was a mess. And um I did a lot of not-so-great things. Um, he's a very forgiving man, and um, he's just, um, God, I believe, good Lord gave me an amazing man. <laughs> just, um, yeah, I wouldn't be here without him, mm. that's for sure. He always believed in me and tell me, and there was a moment we almost divorced, and he told me, he says, Cindy, we can divorce, go our separate ways, but um, I want you to know that I will never marry 
again. You are my first and only love. Wow. So that's who he is. That's like, he's like, yeah. And you know, our lives aren't perfect, but we're, we're so much, you know, 37 years. We've, the latter years greater for sure for us. And, um, uh, we're just in awe of everything. Like we even prayed this morning, like saying, God, wow, how we got here. Wow. It's amazing. Just amazing. So, and our children, our grandchildren, seeing just the whole restoration of all that. It's just powerful. Yeah. How has, has your, your faith really um, helped bridge the, that, that healing gap? Well, I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for my faith in Jesus Christ. I would not be here. I mean, just absolutely not. And I, um, yeah, I hold on to him every day. I live and breathe. He is my everything. And um, um, he gives me a heart to be able to do the work that I do, to go and um, share my story and speak to others and to hear their stories and give them a voice um, and to help with um, strategies. I feel like um, we cannot win this war without God's intervention. All of our, all of our work is in vain, and I believe that wholeheartedly. We can set up rules and laws and all that, but if our communities do not have a transformation of the heart mm-hmm. and renew the mind and how we view and see others, and whether and that's in that's in the whole spectrum, you know, everywhere, um, from bullying to somebody that you pay minimum wage and you're making tons of money and at the back of another human being. I just think that's slavery as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole gamut. Get me started. It's a oh. whole, it's the same that you devalue another human being that they're less than because maybe they don't, they didn't grow up where you grew up or they don't have the money you have or um, because of a color or a race or anything. It's just wrong. And um, I feel like God has taught me to the degree of that in a full spectrum and male, female, whatever. It's like we're all created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And we all have value, everyone. And so that's, um, yeah, I feel like he gives that. And he paid a high price for every human being. Um, And, you know, that whatever he's, you know, he's shown for me and... The more he pours his love into me, the more I cannot help but love others and want to see that for them to know him above all, you know, that um, he's adventurous, he's fun. I've done things I never thought I would ever do in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, go places I've never thought. I see, like, even in, um, he just blesses me. I have little hummingbirds that come out on my day when I have more and more now coming. And um, it took me a while to figure out my water and sugar levels, but... And how I just get them all in. And just the beauty even of that. The way that they hover there. And um, the creation is so beautiful. And that here we are. Every human being is his greatest. It's like wow. I just I want people to see that. I want people to understand that. And I, I want um, to be that vessel of presenting that. Not, you know, not just for myself and my family. But for others. You know, so that's kind of. Yeah he's, he's done that for me. He's shown me that. I want his heart in me, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. At the very beginning of this podcast, you heard a clip in reference to Centoya Brown being interviewed over 15 years ago. And if you listened carefully, you would have heard his response to her response to his questioning. 
and it was almost like he didn't even care. I mean, she even said, you're not listening to me. He knew where my family lived. He threatened to kill my family. He threatened to kill my mom. He threatened to kill me. He would choke me until I passed out or he would pull my hair. And these are all of the corrosive tactics that these traffickers would use to capture the minds and hearts of these young victims. It's not an easy thing. It's very hard. But I think that what we have the opportunity to do is that we can do something about it. And I think that's why Cynthia's work is so important because she works with these organizations like Traffic 911. She helps train local law enforcement, local government agencies, because it does start often with them. Because these trafficked survivors, these victims, they're often juveniles and they're locked up for a crime that's been committed. And it gives them an opportunity to reach those young victims at that moment. This last bit of the podcast, you'll hear more about what Cynthia does in reference to the organization that she works with, as well as the local law enforcement. I mean, I get asked all the time, well, what do I do? Well, if you listen more to what Cynthia has to say, then it can maybe help direct you and when you can at least understand where things can begin. As a quick side note before we continue, this last piece will be unedited. It is a very important educational piece, so you hear noises from around the office, but I promise you it will be worth your ears. Now, you work with Traffic 911, mm-hmm. which I've never heard of it before until you gave me the card. Yeah. So I'm always intrigued. So going on website and looking it up. And mm-hmm. So how did you get connected with Traffic 911? Um, they were actually at a conference that I was at, and they had a booth. And I went up and talked to them and found out what they were doing. They're based out of Dallas, mm-hmm. um, and they were looking for more people in Williamson County. So I love the traps, and going into per- for prevention was is part of their... Um, you know, what they want to do with Trap Note, that's one of their goals is the prevention. And so I thought, wow, this is powerful because I know the seeds were planted in me when I was young. People tried to help me, but I didn't listen you know, at the time. But years later, I know that those seeds were planted in my life and it, it helped me mm-hmm. years later. But when I was able to process and my brain was developed, I remember I didn't forget. So I believe that it was such a key part to go in and meet these kids in the detention center, plant some life and truth into them. Mm-hmm where they won't forget. And one day, they're going to be able to go and reevaluate and say, hmm, I think I'm going to choose a different way. This is not, you know, healthy for me. This is not productive for me. So that's, um, so I, got, I just listened to their, what they were doing. I love the people that, the, the founders of it. They're all amazing. Um, Sherry Jerky, who I work under, she's just amazing lady they've done and helped so many kids and they have such a heart they feel called to do this they're not doing it out of a need of themselves they do it because they know God's called them mm-hmm. and I think that's so important too um, if you do it out of your own needs and it's not going to work 
you've got to know that you're called that you've called because to sustain you because there's a lot of ups and downs there's a lot of um you know uh, so that you see that it's not right yet like a lot you know i mean kids no child should be arrested for this but it still happens not in all the areas but they're still happening and your kind of hands are tied about that you know mm-hmm. And you can't go in rant and rave about it. You have to really be strategic in how to see things that are changed in our society. So, but yeah, but Traffic Nine One is a great organization, and they're doing a lot more um, advocacy work and mentoring now too. So okay, mm-hmm. okay, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You said earlier that you help teach special law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that? Well, for one, how is that teaching them? And then two. Do you feel like what you are teaching them that it's truly being implemented, especially in the ways of, of children who are being trafficked? Do you feel like they're really doing a good job? Yeah, I, I've, the officers give me great feedback. And um, actually, I, they give me really great feedback as far as... Um, I should, it's really been surreal for me because I used to get police escorts when I was young in the life. And now I'm training police officers about those in the life and so it's um been real surreal but they are so awesome that um we do a survey and evaluation form and they turned in and they give me high like top circle of all great training like best training five plus five plus it goes from one to five what did you you know and i was just shocked by it all i was like wow and then to talk to someone saying this is so changed my whole perspective of how i look at these kids now or how i'm gonna speak to them or how I'm going to, you know, address the situation and stuff and, um, you know, where they used to call them bad kids. And I, if you ever get a chance, come to one of my trainings. <laughs> I would love to. Can you tell me, let me know I'll, when. I'll put you on our email list. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, so I go into a lot of stuff that some people don't, but um, it's been powerful and, and the response from so many, um, I've had some officers come up in just tears, you know, um, just confessing some things that you know they're not so proud of and then just saying how thank you thank you so much for sharing and this is definitely going to impact my life Mm -hmm. I will never be the same so that's like wow thank you thank you thank you thank you Lord that's um, powerful Um, more than I had ever anticipated Mm -hmm. to be honest like I had no idea Um, and I find myself loving more and more because I'm it's it takes all of us it takes a community it took a community to bring destruction. It takes a community to rebuild it. Mm-hmm. So it takes all of us. And a lot of it's educating people. Right. Yeah. Now, um, prevention you know, can happen that way, and prevention can also happen, especially within um, schools. Do you take some of your training to some of the schools around uh, Williamson County, even in the Austin area? Trying to. I've done a few. Um, how do... Um, once in Austin ISD um, they're kind of reluctant to it right now but it's getting better I believe it's going to change um, hoping to get some legislation in there to help get some things passed regarding that because mm-hmm. I think uh, every child deserves to be trained in this especially in social media um, to me every child um, just educating them on just handing kids cell phones and the internet and the access they have you know majority of the people out there are predators like 87 percent of usage on our on the you know, internet is dark web mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. every day 
our children are just being exposed to stuff that they have no business being exposed to. But parents don't have the tools. They don't even know. They're not even aware. They just hand it to them because that's what everybody's doing, right? right. And um, so um, I believe that, you know, I'm hoping that more doors open in that regard. Um, there are some organizations that are doing work and getting more of that happening too as well because I, I, I'm kind of nervous about our future if we don't do something soon. What do you feel like the school districts are reluctant to even have that information inside the schools? Because if, if they admit it, then um, some parents might pull their kids out and they might lose funding. I don't know all the things, but it is happening there. It's happening in every one of the school districts. It is. Just, I've worked with too many kids and it comes from all those different school districts. And it's pretty... Um, where there's drugs or sex trafficking. Right. Mm-hmm. So in, in terms of... In, kind of coming to the end of that but in terms of like how parents can be reluctant as well of the denial that it mm. can happen to their kids or it is happening in schools mm. um, how do you feel like that we can educate the parents um, on, a, on a broader scale to let them know hey because I, I remember a few years ago I went down to during South by and I was asking people hey do you know about Mm-hmm. trafficking here in Texas and some say oh I've either heard of it but I don't know anything else because it's not on mm-hmm. TV or I don't know anything at all yeah. so how can we get this um, out on a wider scale because I know it's been shown on television mm-hmm. but how do you feel like that we can get this sent out on a more broader spectrum well we you know like I'm part of I'm also part of Hope Rising organization Hope Rising Ministries and they're, they um, have a um, some safe houses they do fostering and all that too but they also have an assessment home and they do trainings called hands that heal um it's four day training but um so there's a lot of organizations that are out there but the people have to want to know too um but here's a great one that i do too that i started i believe will help get more it's called the Ten Twelve movement okay. and so um I had a vision about it, and um, it's a dance, so it's 10, like the number 10122, you know, 1012movement.com. That's our um, website. But um, so on October 12th, so it'll always be on October 12th. Um, this is our second annual one this year. It's coming up on October 12th, and we're going to um, dance upon injustice. Oh. So the dancers, when they register, um, they're responsible to going out. It's kind of like a you know, a running, you know, you're running in a 5K or something, This, but you're going to dance for two hours, right? Mm. So um, it's where you go out and you share about human trafficking. We give you um, information, the packet of what to share, and you ask people to um, donate to support you for $10. So you go to 12 people. So And so you're spreading awareness, talking to more people about it. This is happening in our backyard and it gives information and packets from the different organizations we have and then um, that we're uh, working with and the, those who are sponsoring us. And then um, uh, we want to do watch parties. We want to get it out. I want to get it out of all the world, to be honest with you, but, um, mm. and I believe it will. And so making it kind of um, an exciting time where people get together to dance I think would be awesome and getting the buzz and the community more involved. And I've gone to HOA meetings, to... Um, parent nights um, and share and you know I don't want to put fear in people I don't want them to be led by fear but I want them to have the knowledge and the and, and give them 
educate them on what's really going on so they're aware so they their child does not have a right to their privacy they shouldn't have a right to the private their children mm-hmm. and they're very vulnerable and the the predators out there know that parents aren't keeping an eye on their kids mm-hmm. they're not really knowing they should know you know one of the things I talk about even with parents and getting them to understand is like we have so many kids who feel so abandoned I mean abandonment is huge in our nation huge um I felt abandoned even though I had both my parents I felt abandoned and abandoned means you're not seen you're not heard and you're not known so whether they could be living in a home but if they're not seen and they're not known and they're not heard they're abandoned you've abandoned your child and so I talk about that I, I talk about um get labels off of kids quit labeling your child there's no such thing as terrible too there's no such thing as a rebellious teenager that's shock, like paradigm shift. I taught. Um, I'm writing a book on that one, but it's like they're not. They're children. The rebellious ones are the adults. <laughs> you know, let's do some studies on it. They don't even have the capacity in their brain to reason things out. How can they rebel? They're acting out. They're acting out, and they have emotions. Why are they acting out? Something's going on. Mm. Get to know them get to know who they really are and what's really at the core of who they are. They, every child deserves that. Every child. And then you have adults who never got had that, so they acted out like a God. They're still acting like a kid because right. they never grew up, because they never got to experience the real growth pattern of the way. Every season of life, we're supposed to learn things, take things in, and it helps us to grow to become mature. Well, you got so many adults who are not mature. These men who are harming these kids never grew up. You know, and now they're acting as adults, or they're taking, like, you know, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. I can do whatever I want, or I'm gonna abuse you because I have a right to that. You know, excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're little and you train somebody up, that's not what you do to people. You know, you, you have to process them and train them up in that way of how you treat others. And unfortunately, you know, um, a lot of parents aren't being active in that. And so. If if somebody will say, hey, well, you, I went to a house one time where they had some parents and there was a sleepover or something, and I went over there and talked to all of them there because something happened with the girls, you know, getting on the Internet and talking to boys, and then they were saying, I love you. Within a week's time, they said, I love you, and I'll go anywhere with you. They wow. never even met them. <laughs> wow. So, wow. yeah, parents need to be trained up. Like, they're naive, and they're like, don't call them stupid. They're not stupid. They're growing up. And they need somebody to train them. They need mature adults to train them up in the way that they should go. Mm-hmm. And and they can't be left to their own devices. They're children. <laughs> it's like letting a five-year-old drive a car. Let's, let's, how is that going to work? Well, let a teenager drive drive the cell phone and the Internet. That ain't going to work either. Right, right. They're going to crash and burn. So anyway, all that too. So I'd share a lot of stories like that with parents. And if the door's open... But getting in my communities and I'll, any opportunity I'm there, I'll, you know. But we can't do it alone. We all got to do it together, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your mm-hmm. time. I really appreciate it. I know that yeah. you're really busy, but yeah. uh, you have so much knowledge that even just this conversation, mm-hmm. it's pales in comparison to, I'm sure, mm-hmm. uh, what you have. And, and, and I loved 
hearing a story, I, w- I would love to see the film yeah. once it's uh, released. We have a trailer. You can go and check out the trailer right okay. now. Okay. I'll, I'll and then I'll tell you, the ten twelve movement, um, I, there was a, when that all was birthed, there was a group of um, ladies that I met with that we would meet, and we did a study together, and then we did art together, and then we came up with the name Beloved Unveiled. And mm-hmm. then um, there was only two, myself and another woman who I'm a, a co-founder with, and her name is Erica Irvin, and um, love for you to interview her sometime. She's pretty, yes. oh my gosh, you would love meeting with her. Anyway, she, um, her and I uh, started Beloved Unveiled as business, and it's more about social justice and all that too. But um, And so the 1012 Movement event is part of that. Um, so we kind of oversee it to see it going forth. But um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And it's giving women voices, but we're seeing now we probably want it. Beloved Unveiled can be, it's not just about the women either. Mm-hmm. And you know, until we start stop the demand, it will keep happening. And so, so we can get in the hearts and the minds of people to see transformation and change for the way we value one another. It's not going to stop. Awesome. Gorgeous. So, yeah. anyway, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. I want to thank Leanna, Cynthia's daughter, for an opportunity to be able to speak to her from the daughter's perspective. If you would like to get more information about the upcoming documentary on Cynthia's life, please go to the website at honeychildfilm.com. You can also follow them on their Facebook and Instagram at honeychildfilm. If you go to my website at engagingliftsmoments.com, all of the information in reference to the anti-trafficking organizations that were mentioned in today's podcast, I will put as much information as I can on my website. And of course, if you follow me at eLifesMoments on Instagram, then you will get some updates in reference to all the information that's been mentioned in today's podcast and also ways that you can help become an activist and an abolitionist up next it is black history month of february and as i said before we will dive deeper into abolitionists who help pave the way and hopefully that will help show us how we can help end slavery in today's world talk to you later bye-bye